Thank you for joining us for this recent message from Freedom Ministries in Crossit, Arkansas. Connect with us online at freedomministriescrossit.com and let us know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Now prepare your heart to hear a word that we pray will bless your life. one of the greatest revelations of the nature of God is that there's priorities in God's mind around what he wants out of you. And because we're religious and that's what the church has always taught us to do, we get our priorities out of whack. I believe that because I've become saved, because I want to be right with God, that I have to get my actions in order. I have to quit drinking and quit smoking and quit cussing and quit this, quit that, quit this other thing over here, quit all the things, come to church and do all the activity that makes it look like I'm a Christian. But if you read through the letters of Jesus, and we've read some of them in the recent services and revelations and to the church of Ephesus, to Laodicea, to to these, we see that there was one priority that Jesus had when he was talking to his people. Only one, one priority. Do you love me? Do you have a relationship with me? He even told Ephesus, he said, it's great that you do all the things, that you come to church and you do all the churchy things. It's great that you're holy, it's wonderful. But I still have something against you, and that one thing that I have against you is so bad that you will still go to hell. No matter how holy you live and how much you stand up for righteousness, you'll still go to hell, and that is that you don't love me. You just don't have a relationship with me. Jesus came to restore our relationship with the Father. Amen. Not to put more law on us, not to put more things on us, because... He knows that if he captures our heart, what sin is worth? What sin is worth messing up this between me and Jesus? Amen. I don't have to focus on getting right. I focus on loving him more. I don't have to focus on what is wrong and the things I'm supposed to be doing and not doing. I focus on loving God. And he says it pretty specifically in uh, Matthew 22, verse 36. Someone asked him, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He said, if you want to get right with God, if, you, if that's what's the desire of your heart, love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, body, strength. And when you've accomplished that, love other people the same as you love yourself. And if you do those two things, 
you're going to wake up and realize, I don't want drugs anymore. I don't want alcohol anymore. I don't need to sleep with somebody to feel like somebody loves me anymore. I don't need to give up part of myself. I don't need to, to sin to fit in with people. I don't need the stuff. I don't need to look at that on the internet anymore to feel some need in me. I don't need to do all these things because I love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, and with all of my strength. I don't have room for that because it becomes a matter of priority to me. I love him so much, so much more than other things that if there's something that he doesn't like, I'm not going to do it. My wife doesn't like when I honk at people when we're driving through town, if they, even no matter how stupid they're driving. She really doesn't like it. And I'm a honker. I was a honker. But she gets so upset at me, she said, Casey, you're the pastor of a church. You can't just drive around town honking at people. Y'all thought it was a long time ago, didn't you? No. But I quit honking at people. And I knew I had a breakthrough in it when recently she, she, something happened. I don't remember what it was, but she said, you should have honked at him. And I said, no, I'm not honking. I'm not honking. Didn't even cross my mind to honk. Was minding my own business, driving. So... I love her, though, and it mattered to me that she really, really hated it when I honked. And for a while, I would honk when she wasn't in the car. <laughs> Y'all see the parallel. You following me, right? I would honk when she wasn't around. And when she was around, I acted different, and I, and I, I wouldn't honk when she was in the car. But the problem is sometimes because I allowed that, act, that behavior to continue in me, Somebody's honking right now. <laughs> Bless him, Jesus. Because I allowed that behavior to continue in me. That was perfect, Holy Ghost. I just really appreciate you, God. I appreciate you so much. Because that's what would happen. I didn't mean to honk, but I would honk anyway. Because... I was trying to do both. I was trying to live both ways. I was trying to, I was trying to be, have what I wanted when I wanted it and not when I didn't, when she wasn't there. And so I had to surrender my desire to honk at people. I hope that's not my car. Let me see. No, it's not me. Thank you, Jesus. So I had to surrender my desire to do what I wanted to do because I loved her because it was important enough to me that she didn't get angry at me because she didn't like it because I loved her because she didn't because so she didn't like it so I quit it. So I don't know where to go from here. So he tells us our, the greatest commandment is love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second commandment, when you've got that one done, when you have succeeded in loving God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. He said, then if you can love your neighbor as yourself, 
And if you can do those two things, there is no law that you won't fulfill. So what are all the laws that the church wants to put on us? Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that over here. And you need to always make sure to do all these things. Show up to church on time. Pay your tithes. All the law. There's no law that love does not fulfill. And so instead of, can we just agree that instead of working on the outside and all the things that people look at and decide whether I'm a good Christian or not, I just work on, I want to love you more today, God, than I did yesterday. How can I get closer to you? Because to know God is to love him. And if I can know you more, if I can find out a little bit more about you, if I can know you better, then... I'm going to have all I need. And then we find ourselves, all of a sudden I wake up one day and I don't want to do the things I used to do anymore. Because I love him. Not because somebody told me it was a sin. Not because somebody told me that I didn't need to be doing that. Not because some, anybody put any law on me. and Not because that's even what I thought I was supposed to do or not do. But because God said, come closer. Because I want him so bad. So when I can, because I have a purpose in doing it, nobody can be pure. I've said this before a few times lately. Nobody can be pure just because I decide to be pure. Nobody can be holy for holiness' sake. It doesn't work. There has to be a goal I'm going after. Why do I want to be holy? Besides because God said to be holy, because he is holy. What's my goal? My goal is that everything that's in my life that isn't pleasing to God, it's a wall in between me and him, and I want to be closer to him. And so as I fall more in love with him and my relationships get better and better with him, I find that I just don't want these things anymore. Do you know that I've... I'm going to make sure this is true before I say it. Yes, I've never given up something for God that I didn't want to give up for God. There was my flesh battled me a little bit sometimes, but there's nothing that I've just given up that I've just been like, man, I really wish, really wish I still had that. Really wish I still had that. Because I have Jesus. <sighs> there's a... Um, and I want to focus on the second part of that because we know we need to love God. But we also, he says, that's good. That's the first commandment. But the second commandment, if you really want to be right, is that you love your neighbor as yourself. That one can be more difficult for us. Amen? God's perfect. My neighbor is far from it. And so there's an anointing on 2018, I really believe, I've said it several times, on togetherness, on us just being together, on us fellowshipping and spending time together. Um, and uh, we, we all serve God, we're all soldiers in the army, we all will give our life. But we also need to come together and get some life from each other sometimes. Amen. In 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thess I didn't write down if it was 1st or 2nd. I apologize to the screens. It's either 1st or 2nd. Thess I think it's 1st Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 2. It says, "For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night, for when they say peace and safety, 
Then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate, breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together in Him. And then he says something that ties up the whole chapter together. He's done after this. He's done with Thessalonians. He says goodbye in the next chapter, and he's done. He says, therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Now, there's a transition word here. Wherefore, the version I read said, therefore. Read another version that says, so. So do this. It's, it's a word that makes our attention go back to what was just said. I'm, I'm paying attention to this because what was just said is referencing what is about to say, what I'm, what's about to be said. He says, therefore, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to connect with other people, comfort each other, and edify one another, encourage each other in the Lord. Why, though? What is it taking us back to? Two things. One, that we be equipped with the breastplate. I can't say that word today. Sorry. Breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. Why do I encourage one another? Why do I hook up with other Christians? Why do I, why do I draw together? It's so that I can be encouraged and therefore equipped with the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of the hope of salvation. So when I get together and I hook up with somebody, then I'm encouraged to keep my righteousness on. I'm encouraged to keep my hope intact over my mind so that my mind isn't drawn away into other things. And then the next thing he says this is for is also equally important. He says, so that we know that God's not mad at us. That's a big deal. How many of you have thought God's been mad at you before? I mean, some of us think he's mad at us right now. Maybe we don't feel his presence like we used to. I think he's mad at me. He says, so what's the remedy for that is I hook up with other people who will encourage me and edify me and build me up and comfort me. And then I can know that God did not appoint me for wrath. That means God's not mad at me. But he has appointed me to obtain salvation. Because he died for me. That I'm going to live together with him. We, not every church is like this, but we. We like to get the word, we like to get the goosebumps, we like to get the experience, and we like to go home and attempt to put it into action in our life and, we're, and be okay until the next time we come together. But clearly, God, God's very clearly speaking here. He says, comfort each other and edify one another. 
just as you also are doing. Why? Because I want you to know that God's not mad at you. I want you to know that God's not disappointed in you. He has not appointed you to be mad. He's not appointed you as somebody that he's going to be disappointed with, but he's appointed you to salvation. And stay hooked up with people and stay encouraging one another. Stay a part of the body so that you also don't lose the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of the hope of salvation so that your mind doesn't go crazy on you. So that you maintain hope. When we've been in a battle and we come home like David did in 1 Samuel 30 and he came home to Ziklag, our minds go crazy, right? Our minds want to quit because it's, I, don't, I didn't sign up for all this. But if I have somebody, come here, Elder. If I have somebody who says, not today, you're not quitting today. Let tomorrow worry about itself, but you're not quitting today. You're not quitting today. You're, you have the breastplate of righteousness on. You are the righteousness of God. You are not quitting today. We're getting in prayer today. And I'm not letting you go until I know that God's gonna that you have a breakthrough over this situation. I am one with you. I'm hooked up with you. I care about you. Amen. God wants us to be together so that we are equipped to go out and deal with this world. To go out and deal with the fact that I spend all day long with heathens who pull on me, who pull on my emotions, who pull on my mind all day long. There's not anybody in here that is so saved that you, if you spend more time with unsaved people than with saved people, that it doesn't pull on your mind and make you want to quit God. I know you're all holy people. I'm just being real, though. In the times when, I remember when I worked in El Dorado, I had to go seek out people that were other Christians and just have, get a little time with them. Because when I was around unsaved, unholy people, cussing, talking about all kind of stuff all day long, and I couldn't get away from them, I worked for 11, 12 hours a day over there sometimes. I spent more time with them than I did with my family and certainly more time with them than I did with my church family. I spent more time with them than I spent in prayer with God. So yeah, what's in me? It's just what is around me. It's in my environment. And if I don't fight back against it and get somebody to say, that's not who you are, Casey. That is not who you are. I'm so thankful for my friendship with Christian Hamilton because one time he was that voice to me. He said, that's not who you are, Casey. You probably don't even remember it, but I remember it. It went right in my spirit. No, that's not who I am. That's not who I am. But I needed somebody to remind me that day that that is not who I was. Amen. There's a problem, though, when in the body we have more dissension than we have unity. It doesn't work, and it actually expedites the process of me becoming disconnected from the people and disconnected from God. Just like the order is, I love God with all my heart. When I fix that, then I love people. It happens the opposite direction. When I disconnect from the people, I'm going to disconnect from God. 
first step is loving God, second step is loving people, and I make my way into the Holy of Holies. But when I decide, when I pull out and attacks come, I start disconnecting from people and not liking people. And then I'm going to stop liking God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions or dissensions among you, but that you may be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brothers, but by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. But is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified you? crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of Paul another version says I see that there are factions that are forming among you because you're dissenting how am I dissenting it's because I'm not all saying the same thing so when I don't all say the same thing as everybody else a dissension comes in which leads to Contention, which leads to strife and division. And Paul basically said, listen, there's one head. There's one head. There's one. So all of this where like, oh, well, I'm, I really agree with this one. I agree with this one over here. Well, I don't really know about that kind of prayer, but I do believe in this kind of prayer. And I... And I really don't like this, but I like that. And so I'm just going to not do this and do this over here. And I'm, No. He said it's dissension. It's strife. I say one thing. The same thing everybody else says. One thing. What is that one thing at Freedom Ministries? We have one real foundational teaching. Prayer. Just prayer. It's built on prayer. You pray until you get a breakthrough, and when you've gotten a breakthrough, you go and you take that breakthrough to somebody else because now you've already paid a price so that somebody else can have a breakthrough. And you keep on praying, and you keep on praying, and you keep on praying so that there's a breakthrough in the service and there's a breakthrough for people who come here, and you give your life in prayer. You're not giving your life to a person. You're not giving your life to a position. You're not giving your life to anything besides prayer. It's just the prayer. Now, when you get up from prayer, you may go teach a Sunday school class, or you may go um, preach, or you may go sing a song, or play an instrument, or worship, or do whatever. When you get up from prayer, you may go do something. But you didn't give your life for that thing. You gave your life in the prayer, and out of the prayer, those things flow. Out of the relationship with God, and the strength that God has placed in you, and the anointing that God has placed in you, through the prayer, those things come. I was talking to someone earlier this week. Um, I said, other churches can do it different. You know, maybe they can have a committee and they can plan things and it can just, just go fine. But that's not the way Freedom Ministries works. If you don't have a breakthrough over something, if it doesn't come out of prayer, it is not going to work at Freedom Ministries. It's not because I'm going to come in and, and our leader's going to come in and say, well, do you have a breakthrough doesn't work? It's because the devil's not going to let it work. He hates us so much. That if there is a chink in the armor, if there's a place that isn't covered in prayer, he's going to get in there. And I am 
capable of being a chink in the armor. If I don't cover myself in prayer, I am so easy for the devil because he hates. You see, it doesn't have anything to do with you. It has everything to do with the vision and the ministry that God has placed here. And if I am one who does not pray, then I am the weak point in the armor. He can get in through me. And so pretty soon I'm discontent and I'm, and I'm griping and I'm complaining. And we've seen all this. We've seen it happen. They, then they form the little factions. That's how it works. So how, does, how do we fix it? I get together with other people to, so I can edify and encourage. And then we all say the same thing. The same thing. We talk about prayer. We talk about what prayer does for you. We talk about breakthrough. We talk about what a breakthrough will do in your life. We talk about get a word from God from the prayer and what that word from God will do for you and do in your life. We talk about the same thing. This vision is about prayer and breakthrough and deliverance. And that's all it's ever going to be about. I've been reading a book about how to reach millennials. And I, there's some great things in it. Um, and I believe it speaks a lot to um, this generation. And I'm going to do some of them. We'll be announcing it. We're going to do because I think they're all good ideas. But um, our church will never be what a church that's just geared around millennial community is. That's not the vision of our church. We understand. We can do the we can we can accommodate cultural differences. I can do that. To make everyone feel apart and feel more comfortable, I can accommodate a cultural difference between me and a millennial. But I cannot accommodate it to the point that I compromise the vision. When we come together, we're going to talk about getting delivered. When we come together, we're going to pray. We're, we're not only going to talk about prayer. How many of y'all ever been out in a restaurant and you feel the Holy Ghost come in because we're talking about the things of God? We're going to talk about prayer and fasting and all those wonderful things. We're going to talk about deliverance. We're going to talk about getting a breakthrough. And if we talk too long, we're going to be getting down to the root of whatever's wrong with your mama's second cousin. Because that's what is in this ministry. That's what's going to come out because we are one and we're all going to talk the same thing so that there's not factions among us. Amen. That being said, it's difficult. So if I don't have something in me, I don't have anything to give you, right? It takes an experience. For me to have an anointing. And by that I mean I have to have obtained deliverance in an area. I have to have gotten a breakthrough in an area if I want to come and effectively minister to you in that area. Now the word of, I know the word of God doesn't return void. I can get up here and I can read scriptures all day long about something. And there's an anointing on that. But I'm talking about an anointing that breaks the chains of bondage over your, that when that I know when I sit down with you, unless you get mad and get up and leave in the middle of this conversation, as long as you stick with me, you will leave different. I'm talking about that kind of breakthrough anointing. For, that, for me to have that, 
I have to have had an experience, which means I have to have gotten a breakthrough and a deliverance in an area. Now, I'm going to speak to my generation and anyone that's been here less than a few years, but I think it's mostly just my generation. If I have been coming here for years, and I can't point to a thing that I was truly delivered from, that I am not hooked up with the vision. I don't know a different way to say that because if I'm one with the vision, I talk about the vision and I do the vision. And so if I can't point to something that was a breakthrough deliverance in my life, I got in prayer and I screamed my guts out at this altar. And I'm not saying you always got to scream, but I do. And I screamed my guts out at this altar. And when I got up, my life was forever changed forever change. And if you've never experienced it, you can today. But if I've been coming here for years and I can't point to a time when God worked some deep work in me and got to the root of why I am the way I am, why the same things happen to me over and over and over, I can't say that I'm one with a vision. And so I have to examine myself. Do I just like the benefits of the vision, the benefits of the breakthrough? Or do I really believe in deliverance? Do I really believe in breakthrough? And if I really do believe in it, then my next question has to be, am I so arrogant that I can't have never looked at myself in 15 years and just said, there's something wrong with me? God, help us. <laughs> God, help us, help me. I am at least once a week getting like getting down in prayer and saying, I'm not talking about major deliverance, but at least once a week I'm like, God, take this out of me. What on why am I acting like this? Take this out of me. God, I gotta get in more prayer. God, take this out of me. Why? Why do I act this way? Why am I doing this as some why am I thinking this, acting this way? There are many churches that if I'm, if I'm a part of, if I want to be a part of a church for community, there are many churches I can go to and have community. There's not many churches I can go to and have breakthrough and deliverance and, and the glory and going all the way in God and the prayer and the power that comes in the prayer and the power of agreement in the prayer and this prayer army that prays and know, and hears God and will help me get a word. There's not many places I can go and have that. And so, while in the coming months there may be a, a very slight shift in um, the way we accommodate a generation, accommodate a culture, there's not ever going to be a shift in the focus and the purpose of this vision being here. Amen? Amen. If I'm not continually seeking something greater in my life with God, then I am seeking to stay the same. I'm seeking something. 
And so I'm either continually seeking more in relationship with God and pushing everything else away, or I'm seeking something else in life, and I'm asking God to stay on autopilot. So how do we overcome that? It's really the, the key is in togetherness. In 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness. Now, many translations translate this as, Do not be yoked together. Period. Because that's actually what the original Greek says. Is, it doesn't say don't be unequally yoked. It just says be, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. The unequally is just a descriptive word there. It's not a prescriptive word that's saying don't, you can be yoked together but not unequally. Because if you're with an unbeliever, you're unequally yoked together. Because what fellowship has light with darkness? My focus and my attention is to go this direction, and their focus and attention is to go this way. So we're unequally yoked because we ain't going the same direction. So he says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. I'm going to ask Elder Robert to come be my helper again. So if, if my eyes are focused on Jesus and Elder Robert, we're yoked together. We're best friends we share life together. We're just we're always talking talking about things and going together. We're best friends. But Elder Robert is not going after Jesus. He's going that direction. So I'm going, Jesus, Jesus, I want you. And he's and he's pulling me over here. Pulling. He says, What fellowship does righteousness have with lawlessness? And what communion does light have with darkness? If I'm hooked up with people who aren't after the same thing as me, then I am, I have yoked myself up with them and it's causing a problem in my life. I can't go after God. He wants me to be yoked up with believers so that I can, because then the burden is easier. If both of us are pulling the same weight and we're going the same direction, it becomes a lot easier when there's another ox in the yoke with me and we're all going the same way becomes a lot easier to do the work because I'm together. And so there's a danger of being connected with the wrong people. I'm not telling you to quit your friends, but I am saying there's a problem if my closest friends, the ones that I feel comfortable with, letting my hair down, so to speak, with, and being myself with, the ones I feel most comfortable with, are not here in the body of Christ with me. There's a problem. There's a big problem with that because I'm, not, I'm yoked up with somebody who isn't going the same direction as me. And if I'm not keenly aware of that, of that pull, then I'm going to be pulled in that direction along with them without even knowing it. I have to be hooked up with the right people. Psalms 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's head that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountain of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Where did Lord, the Lord commanded the blessing? On unity. On being one together with brothers. 
and Christ in the faith. He says this anointed, it's so anointed, it's just like oil and the anointed just pouring all over you because you're together and you're in unity and God loves it and he commands a blessing upon it. We all know the scripture where two or three are gathered in agreement. God is there in the midst of them and he's going to answer them. Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. There's an anointing that comes in when I am together. And so where does the enemy attack all the time? Togetherness. How many of us... I'm going to raise my hand real wide, real big before I even say it. Have felt like I don't really fit in at Freedom Ministries. I don't really belong here. I don't really know if this is the place where I fit. Amen. That's not because you don't fit. It's because the enemy doesn't want you to connect and be in unity and therefore have the commanded blessing and the anointing of God on your life. That's why. I felt that way, felt that And even today, I'm the pastor of the church, and I still have that voice come, out, come in every once in a while and say, you don't, these people don't like you. That's what it, they don't like you. Yes, they do. Well, they may not like me, but I'm still going to prayer. <laughs> That's what I said. They just not like me while we pray together. And so I come together. Thank you. I love you too. I love all y'all. But I don't separate. I come together when I feel like that. I get myself in the prayer with whoever's at the prayer. I come in and I get in. And then I don't feel that way anymore because it's a lie. So all I do is I come and I be together. Now, I believe that God wants to equip us today. Because I know we've, We've heard message after message of loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, I, and some of us may need to work on that today. We all, I need to work on it. We all need to work on loving God more with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I believe that we're ready to move on today to loving our neighbor as ourselves and focus on togetherness. So can we all stand? We hope you enjoyed this message from Freedom Ministries. For more information and to stay connected with us, find us on Facebook or the web at freedomministriescrossit.com.